Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hey guys, so just before this interview starts, I just want to let you know that unfortunately, um, with everyone home at the moment, the internet is um, being a little bit cheeky and just being a little bit unkind. So sadly, um, on my side, my audio is a little bit, um, shall we say, janky. Um, And if anyone knows uh, Scooby-Doo, you'll know what I mean. Um, So it's just been a little bit dumb. So uh, if I break up at any point, that's what it is, but hopefully you'll be able to hear me all the same. Um, any, either way, uh, I hope you enjoy this interview with the fantastic person that I got to speak with. And um, yeah, enjoy the show. So hello everyone and welcome back, whether you're on YouTube because you're one of the cool people at A Healthy Dose of Fran or listening in on my podcast, The Best Damn Camp. Well, if you're on YouTube, you're going to know what's happening here because I am not alone and not in like the horror movie sense. I am with a fantastic phenomenon. I'm running out of adjectives already. <laughs> Just an incredible person that I'm still in shock has agreed to come and speak with me, as I'm sure everyone who is watching and listening is also. But I have the fabulous guest from the Percy Jackson musical, Kristen Stokes. Thank you so much for coming to speak with me. I am all surprised if the like <laughs> red on my face doesn't already show that. <laughs> it's amazing to meet and speak with you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is going to be so much fun. I'm excited. Oh gosh, I really hope it is. Otherwise, I've set you up for very high expectations <laughs> and just don't meet them at all. <laughs> Oh gosh, but uh, tell everyone uh, a little bit about yourself and uh, your connection with Percy Jackson. Sure, yeah. So um, uh, I star in The Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical. I play Annabeth Chase. Um, I have been with the show from its very first inception, basically, um, which started off as kind of like a two-week workshop to develop a one hour musical that was very like hands-on. And then it was such a hit that then we developed it into like a two hour full length Broadway tight musical. And we went on tour and then we were surprised with the actual, you know, 16 week Broadway run and we completed it right before the shutdown. So the gods were all (laughs) on our side and we were like, great. We completed this quest done and done. So oh my gosh the fact that like just before it's just at the moment it's like okay no but i need the musical is done now now the world can start ending it's exactly (laughs) i mean i mean that was the point of our quest was like to keep the world from ending and so i don't know what that actually means since you know (laughs) we finished the world ended maybe we need to come back we were the only thing sustaining the world apparently (laughs) 
Yes, you were appeasing the gods, and the moment they ended, it ended, the gods responded with, well, I'm not happy about this, all right, plague. <laughs> exactly. They're like, well, now we're bored, so what else can we do? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, that, yep, <laughs> I can believe it. Uh, especially considering what the Greek gods are like in Percy Jackson, it feels very realistic. Oh, extremely real, <laughs> extremely real. Uh, just in terms of the Greek gods and obviously Percy Jackson. So obviously you play Annabeth Chase, who is a daughter of Athena. Uh, just to kind of start with a, something a little bit fun that is not plague related. Um, <laughs> for, you, <laughs> for you yourself, who would you say your godly parent would be in real life? I think, oh gosh, you know, I, I'm always like, there's like a couple I could go with. I obviously feel very kindred to Annabeth and Athena. When I was, you know, growing up and we had to do a report on the Greek gods, I was always like, Athena is the bomb. Like everybody step back. That's who my godly parent is. But I think if I were like, this is strictly going off of like the Rick Riordan, like universe Percy Jackson books. And I know technically like she couldn't be a parent. So I would like join the squad of Artemis and the hunters. Yes, that is a hundred percent my vibe. Everything she stands for, because she's also got the arts and poetry, and like, come on, the moon, and she's like kind of witchy, and she's like, I'm yeah. just like gonna be with me and my peeps, and like we're gonna be like defending people, and it's like feminism and cool, and there's nothing better. Oh, so, 100%. I completely agree. If you didn't see it on my thing, it's like, Fran, Hunter of yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice that when I came out. I was like, I hope you don't think I'm trying to copy you, but we're part of the same, we're part of the same Huntresses, okay? That's all I got to say. Yes, sisterhood. Sisterhood exactly. is what it is. <laughs> exactly. Oh, but no, I hate That's something about Artemis. Artemis is just, she's just dope. I think that's the way yeah. to describe her. <laughs> totally, totally, totally dope. Oh, but that's cool to hear what your godly parent would be outside of obviously the whole Annabeth connection as well. But um, in yeah. terms of Annabeth, just to kind of go into this next question. So in terms of playing her, like I, from your mentioning of the Percy Jackson books as well, I'm guessing you either read them before or for the musical itself. Like had you read them before mm -hmm. um, the musical or? I hadn't. I actually, um, I did, when I came to audition, I like didn't even know like what I was auditioning for. It was so brand new it was so like mm. I had this like mysterious voicemail on my phone and I was like how did these people get my number what I'm like on the streets of New York City I'm like what is this audition something with lightning and I was like I don't know what this is and then like I got the script and I was like it was the Auntie M scene with Medusa and and I but it doesn't say Medusa it says Auntie M and I was like is this like Wizard of Oz like what is this show and I was like just trying to pick up what you know was happening with the like few scenes that I had and then um the director Stephen Brackett ran in who I had worked for at that point only a year and a half prior mm. on like one other really crazy project and I was like oh hey Stephen he's like Stokes you're here because of me you know this girl like belts high and you're the only person I know and so um you're the daughter of Athena. You're very smart, but very sarcastic and, um, you know, very sure of yourself. I'll see you in there. Bye. And I was like, what the, <laughs> I was like, okay, let me like look at this. So the, the short answer is no, I had no idea, but I just kind of listened to what Steven said. And I, 
followed the script and went off with some instincts and um they were like yeah you're our girl and and also granted this was for very the stakes were so low this was like a two-week workshop developing like oh how do you make a minotaur out of three people like this is very like low zero budget like how do you make things in the room very experimental Mm. for this one hour version that was going to have like a few people come observe it from the company but like it was never meant to be showcased um and then after that is when it kind of started to grow. They asked me back um, for like mm. the next level and I just kept getting asked back. So I can't remember when in that process I I read the books. It might have been for that. I, I, I think after I got the role for that two-week workshop, I sat down and I was like, oh, that's right. There were some movies. I remember this. And then I read the first book and I was like, this is amazing. Oh my gosh. Blah, blah, blah. And then I like saw all the books and I was like, oh, this is like a thing. This is like Harry Potter. This is like a whole world. And so I was like, I better get into it. And then I became the dramaturg basically of the entire company being like, anytime someone had a question about the books, I'd be like, well, in book four, blah, 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 blah. I was like that person, you know, very Annabeth, but that's just how I was. So I've, I've read all the books in that, in the first Percy Jackson mm. series um, yeah. just so I could like dive in and get to know Annabeth even more. I mean, that's mm. the great thing. There's so much when you like work on a new show, a lot of times you're just like diving in from your own experience. There isn't, you know, um, something like a, like a book to like work off of. You're just kind of like fishing around in the dark to have so much mm. on Annabeth and, um, there's a word I'm looking for. I can't think of it. It's just, you know, like the original, um, what am I thinking of? So it's the like the ori- source have. material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so much source so, material. Oh, that's the better word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's so much source material that I'm like, oh my gosh, how, like, why, would I not, <laughs> why would I not dive in and, and read everything? And so that it just like would help to inform my decision making. And, mm. you know, because there's only like so much you can fit into like, a show a two-hour show so um oh, yes yeah, no, that's the long answer <laughs> yeah no, that's totally fine that kind of leads into this uh this main question which was from kind of getting to know Annabeth's character from reading the books as well like learning about her did that influence your idea of how you wanted to present her character um and kind of the how she acted how she spoke like her backstory and all these sort of things and just in general after reading it and then performing it what was it like bringing her to life on stage oh my gosh it was a journey honestly (laughs) Annabeth taught me a lot about myself and um, I'm so grateful that I got so much time and so many opportunities to come back to her Um, yes absolutely reading Mm -hmm. the books um, informed how I you know did her how I could hear her voice. I mean, Rick is so, he, he's so specific. I feel like on the tones, the tone of voice that a character mm. uses and they have such very specific rhythms and they're all like hysterical, but very like in their own way. And so how to pick up on mm. Annabeth's humor and like where she fits in the energy of the threesome and what that dynamic is and her dryness and how she's so quick and, you know, 
just having all that knowledge really helped inform me on how I was going to um, honestly just connect with her. Cause I think that's the biggest thing as an actor. It's like, how do you find your way in to a character? And so how do I, where are the parts in myself that I feel like are easily matched up with Annabeth that I'm like, mm, okay, I could find my way there. I see it, but I'm not there yet, but I know the route. And then there's always things that you're like, I understand that, but I don't see where my road is to connecting with this person. And so it's kind of a, mm. you know, a threefold journey. And <clears throat> I think for me, one of the biggest things that she taught me and that I had to keep working on and developing over the course of my time with her was, um, you know, I, I love how just matter of fact Annabeth is. Annabeth is very special because, you know, she came to camp when she was seven. And so, and she's a full timer. So she doesn't really have that, um, that voice in her head that we all, especially as females grow up with of Mm -hmm. like, this is the right way to behave. This is the wrong way to behave. This is when you're being too much. This is when you're being, Oh, too forward or too snotty or too smart or too that, you know, Mm -hmm. there's like a way that I think we, well, I'll speak to myself that there's like a, a secret undercurrent of like, don't be too much. You know, Mm. there's, there's a softer, gentler, kinder way to insert your thoughts if you want to insert them. Um, But if you're too harsh or brash, then you're discounted and you're, you know, um, put Mm. to the side as like annoying or, you know, B-I-T-C-H or whatever, you know, and Annabeth doesn't have that. She does not even have that knowledge. You know, she's just very, just to the point. And if you don't like it, like she she never learned that she should care about that. She never learned that like, oh, all the boys are talking and they have plans. And so like, I'll let them finish talking and then I'm going to insert my plan. She's like, no, I know the answer. Why wouldn't I, why there is no difference between me and this other person. In fact, this kid is new. So I'm about to school you. And I, I mean, I understand her frustration of her being like, I deserve the quest. Who is this newbie? What the heck? Like, this is unfair. Well, then I'm going to insert myself because you obviously need my help, you know, she, um, and that can come off as a little harsh, I think. And I think I was afraid of that. I think me as a person, I understood that about her and I felt that in myself. And yet I knowingly slash knowingly worked on softening her edges. I wanted to make her likable and approachable. And I, was doing some stuff at the beginning and it took each time I did the show of like kind of peeling that off of like of not being afraid that people I was afraid people weren't going to like her and I was afraid people were going to judge her and write her off as just being snotty and overpowerful and all this stuff and I had to let that go and honestly probably accept her more and Mm. and not be afraid if people didn't like her who cares? Oh, you don't get her? Then you don't get to like her is kind of it. You know, it's not like, oh gosh, they don't Mm -hmm. like me or they don't like Annabeth. It's like, okay, if you don't understand her, then like she does not care. She's here for her mission. She's here to, you know, make sure everything goes well. And, and she is that smart. She is that powerful and she is unafraid to be so. Yes, she absolutely has her faults, 
but that's not me to, you know, judge them or hide them from the audience. And it took, you know, and it mm. took a while for me to fully just lean into her sharp edges. And then after I did, I was like, oh, this is powerful. And it helped transform me as a person, you know? Um, mm. So yeah, I, I would say that's kind of the biggest thing with Annabeth. She taught me a lot. No, I totally, when you were mentioning about how like she didn't learn these things that like girls are basically like trained to do is, you know, don't speak when you're not spoken to, just kind of keep your voice calm and controlled. Like don't be bossy, just kind of mm -hmm. all these sort of things, those things that like girls are told from a young age, don't do this, don't do that. You, you want to be approachable. You want to be friendly. You want to be kind and all these sort of things. Like you're not allowed to have these negative emotions because it's not feminine enough. Whereas like what you said, Annabeth didn't have that. So she was just a person. She didn't have these like ideals put on to her. And that's definitely like you putting that into words. I'm like, oh my God, this is why I like Annabeth. I want to be <laughs> like Annabeth in that sense. Like I don't want to care what other people think or like people telling me it's like, oh no, you need to calm down. You need to learn to know when to stop. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I have the right to keep going. Stop what would Annabeth do? I think that's, exactly. that's the thing that needs to be said now. What would exactly, do? exactly. And that's, and that's also not to say that, you know, Annabeth, I think she does care what people think. I think she is a perfectionist. And so mm. if you're a perfectionist, you're always going to be hardest on yourself, which I think she is. She's extremely hard on herself. And if she doesn't feel like she's doing a good job, she's afraid she's going to let other people down. I think that is what she does mm. care. But she doesn't have this thing of like, you know, oh, let me like tune myself to like what the boys are liking and then um, make myself more palatable by finding things in common with the boys and figuring like where, you know, oh yeah, I agree with you or this or that. She's like, no, you can make yourself come to my level. You can make yourself more palatable to me because these are the things that I like. And, you know, mm. yeah, she's very cool. But that's great that that's how you kind of came to learn more about her character and how like impose that onto the stage as well. That it taught you something about yourself also. That's amazing. Love when that happens. Yeah. But um, in terms of um, being an actor, you mentioning about kind of getting into the character and such, um, with the fact that obviously this the show went on tour and it started in New York and then it went across the country as well, which is wild to me because I don't think that really happens here in the UK. But just the idea of it, I was like, that's, America's huge, like terrifyingly <laughs> huge. So that's just what I thought. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but in terms of being like a performer and working with the, the smaller cast that you guys had, um, in terms of the stage and the, the presence that you had to bring to the, was it different from when you were just working in New York to then when you went on tour? Like, were there any differences and adaptions that had to be made between the two situations? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So when we first created this two hour version, we were off Broadway, which basically means like you're in a small theater off the like technically the only difference which I didn't know this until like <laughs> after and I was like oh really like technically the only difference between Broadway and off-Broadway is one seat 
If you're under 500 seats, you're considered off-Broadway. If you're over 500 seats, you're considered Broadway. And then, of course, with that, it's like huge theaters. And usually people think of Broadway as like big sets and big budgets. And it's showy. And it's like, you go all out, you know. The joke always in the rehearsal room was like, well, for the Broadway version, we're going to have a flying Mrs. Dobbs and a whole rig and a blah, 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 you know. That didn't happen, spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, <laughs> But we first created this show for Off-Broadway. It was a very small theater. I don't know how many people it sat, like maybe under 300, maybe 350, but it felt like 100. Like it was a very small, super intimate. So we created this show for that space. Um, then when we went on tour, uh, we were performing in theaters that sat over 2,000 people. So it was a insane jump it was an insane jump for us and we had to make it um you know uh, when we were in our own theater off broadway we could like drill into the floor and make cutouts and did you know you can kind of work the space and rework it however you want when you're on tour you have to like be able to like pack up everything unpack it set it up blah, blah, blah. you can't really change the architecture of the mm. space too much and there's so many different size stages and this and, and capabilities. So you kind of have to like make it universal for the theaters that you're going to be touring in, um, mm. you know, and also we like how to figure out how do we like crank up this show. So it reaches that like 2000th person in the back of the house when we're used to just being like <laughs> how we are right here. We're like, and yeah. now I've got the you know like the, <laughs> and we were like really had to figure out where that was and then ironically Broadway was kind of in the middle um you know we also had a very unique Broadway story because um uh the theater we moved into um so usually there's like a wait list of moving into Broadway theaters and you have to be on there for years and it's this and that. And so our producers were very smart as soon as the prom closed, because that was the theater we were in. They contacted the theater and they're like, listen, do you have someone coming in? Do you have any openings? And they're like, we do have someone booked for they're moving in January, but you know, we have this like dead space that no one really wants to take. Um, it'll only be 16 weeks. But, you know, it's free. And so they were like, we'll mm -hmm. take it. Um, and we only had, like, by the time tour ended, I think we had, like, a month off. And then we had two days of rehearsal in a studio, two days of tech rehearsal on stage, and then we did the show. And then it was first preview, and then there was an audience in there. So... It was a little insane. I don't recommend that. It was so crazy. <laughs> we were like, what? We're on Broadway. Oh my God. But that means that, you know, we couldn't change anything from tour. So that was like, uh, it was amazing to be on Broadway and to like take advantage of that. But it was kind of disappointing because as I kind of said, like we always had like the dream and the, and the joke of like, well, when we reach Broadway, never expecting to, by the way, we were like, oh, no, that's not, that's not what the mission of this show has ever been. A lot of shows start off being like, we're making the show so we can get on Broadway. We were making the show just to do the show, just to like get it out there because we love the story. And we were like, 
you know, we wanted to reach as many people as possible um, who love the book and who also are being introduced to theater for the very first time. So the fact that we were on Broadway was really cool, but we didn't get to shape the space how we would have if we would have had more time to, mm. you know, make it um, specifically um, for that space with like special effects and stuff yeah. like that. So, um, but it was, it was still pretty magical and, and super cool. And, and of course there were like some changes between like, you know, songs and rewriting and, you know, this and that, but um, yeah, for the most part, at least from tour to Broadway, that was an exact transfer. Wow. That's just, just hearing it all, I'm just like, if it sounds exhausting to me, I can't even imagine <laughs> just having the length of that for actually able to do it. I was just hearing it all, just like the length of time. Like the moment you said 16 weeks for me, it's just like, that's a long time. <laughs> and I realized, not ready for stage. That's like a short, like a short time for stage. But in my head, I was yeah. like, that's, that's like months. That's what? I know. I, I can't mean, even it is a long time. Week. I know. I mean, it is, you know, it's like, and we had, that was all in the same year. So we toured for like nine months. We had a little, a few weeks off and then we continued the rest of the year. So, and that's what, you know, these Broadway and tour performers, they do all the time and it is exhausting and kind of to speak to the small cast. I mean, mm. we're a cast of seven. That is cuckoo. There are plays bigger than our musical, Broadway musical cast. And um, it was originally created that way because it was meant for like a one hour bus and truck type of tour going to schools and blah, 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 blah. And then they were like, well, let's just keep it seven people because it's really fun to kind of have everyone play a bunch of different roles. But that just means that the entirety of the show is resting on your shoulders at all points. And especially because we had special effects and stuff like that, as you do, but, you know, our main, this is what I always say, our main special effect was the story. The story is so powerful mm. that that's kind of like our our main thing. And um, so when you're like on your eighth show that week and, you know, every person is like, just put it on my back. Um, let me just like carry this through a little longer because there's <laughs> no like ensemble to kind of like, for you to like rest on, to be like, oh, okay, I like everyone else, you know, it's almost like um, normally there's like a push and pull of energy. This is when I know I have to like be on because I'm the only person to say, scene or this is my solo or this or that. But then when there's like lights and this and stuff happening and an ensemble and stuff, you're like, okay, there's more energy on stage that can kind of support me, that can carry me, that I can like take this moment to like subtly rest while all this stuff is happening. And then I know when I'm back on with a cast of seven, every person is constantly on. No one is resting. Um, and especially cause we're all running around like doing puppets when we're not on stage or doing quick changes or whatever. There is no rest in this show. I cannot stress how insane the backstage show was. You thought the onstage show was insane. Insane. The backstage was crazy. And, um, and just, it was exhausting. It was exhausting in the best possible way. Cause you're like on stage with your best friends and it's hilarious. And you're like, I'm fighting with swords and ah, you know, it's so fun. 
And afterwards you're like sweating. You're like, wow, I really am a demigod to get through that. Cause like, <laughs> Ooh, I just really did that. And then you're like, Oh cool. Let me do that. Like eight more times this week. Cool. So it's a lot. <laughs> well, well, I commend just like a little bow, commend the intensity. <laughs> just, it's just, maybe it's just because of the pandemic, just hearing that, which is like, I just, that's, I'm just like exhausted. Just, just thinking about it I, I can't imagine but I know you guys are officially demigods if you were doing that there aren't even eight days in a week for a second I was just like wow you're doing a show every day of the week and then I've just realized there aren't eight days in a week that means we do <laughs> twice a, oh my gosh wow and we okay yeah, so that demigod means we status do it, we do it two times uh for two days so there's two two show days basically and that was always the like boy a marathon well, okay yeah no officially demigod status for everyone involved with the musical oh my god <laughs> but just in terms of just like the experience and all these sort of things and going on tour and interacting with everyone obviously the the Percy Jackson books themselves were and have the majority sort of middle grade young adult sort of audience um mm-hmm. how's your experience with the fan base been have they've been nice and welcoming hopefully this is to everyone watching and listening if you guys haven't been nice we are gonna have words Kristen is amazing the cast is amazing and I'm, I'm watching you all um <laughs> but I'm hoping you guys have had a great experience and you yourself also have and just what was that experience like with the with the fans it was incredible I mean honestly and I really mean this it is thanks to the fans that we got kind of where we are you know I remember when we were off Broadway coming out of the stage doors for the first time and having you know and this is like we're so unknown but it just you know it reached all the half-bloods out there and everyone was like in orange and in homemade Percy Jackson shirts because we had no merch and blah 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 you know and everyone we would come out the doors and it was like a line of people screaming and we were like I had never experienced that before. I mean, I experienced like some form of like stage door and fandom, but not to this extent. It was so, Mm -hmm. so cool. Everyone was so supportive. And I think also because the word got out that we were not the movies, no shade, but we weren't, but um, everyone was so supportive and it just meant so much to everyone. And it was such I just got such positive reinforcement that I was on the right track with Annabeth. Um, and we were on the right track with this show. I mean, we really nailed the tone of the books, I think. And it's just really magical. It's really magical to just kind of see someone that you are, you've been reading and you're so involved with and you're so invested in and you care so much in these books. And then to see them on stage and then for you to be like, that's it. That's who I've been imagining. I mean, I know that would mean the world to me as a avid book reader, but then to be on the other side of that love and confirmation, it's been absolutely incredible. And it, I mean, and it only went up from there. I mean, being on tour was absolutely insane. It was insane. The amount of love, you know, we were get to some theaters and we'd be like, you know, we need um, barriers and we need someone to stand by the stage door and blah, blah. And they were like, what are you talking about? What's stage door? And we're like, 
trust. And they're like, okay, you're a tour. You haven't even been on Broadway yet. So calm yourself. And we were like, no, calm yourself. Get, <laughs> get ready. Get ready. And I'm telling you, the theaters that would not have the barricades, they were like, wait, oh, God, oh, God. And I was like, we were like, we told you. It's absolutely crazy. And just, you know, everyone came. I can't tell you. We got so many Camp Half-Blood necklaces and just like amazing artwork and, you know, so many personal notes and just mm. little gifts and this and that. We actually on tour, we started this tradition and we carried it through Broadway. Our kind of back wall of our set, um, behind it, we started to, because when we were on tour, you know, you we're so grateful for all the gifts, but we're like, listen, my suitcase is already full of all my clothes that I have to carry around for the year. Like, where am I going to put all this stuff? So we ended up, we made like a whole art wall on the back of our set. So our set actually had all the love and the artwork of all the half-bloods and the fans who came to see our show with us everywhere we went. It was always, you know, you they've always been our support. You've always been our support. And it literally was supporting us behind that wall of all the love and encouragement that we felt. So it was, it's been very special and continues to be special, you know? Oh, that sounds amazing. Uh, I'm so glad that people were amazing as well. And I was, I know everyone, I remember seeing it because obviously here in the UK, I haven't actually been able to see the performance, but I, I just listened to the soundtrack. I'm like, no, this, this, this will do. I can just, I can just, like, I can, I can, I can deal with this. Like, I, all the Percy Jackson British friends I knew, everyone was just like, everyone in America, we are so jealous of you right now, <laughs> just like sobbing in the background. But, <laughs> but um, it was amazing, and just seeing like the photos from people's Instagrams from the cast, and hearing all the stories from the fans as well. It was just, it was incredible, and. I am still jealous, but I just I, I won't talk about it anymore. Um, I talk about it way too much. <laughs> uh, well, I have a Discord was... server with a bunch of Percy Jackson podcasters, and the amount of time say I complain to them all the time. I'm like, they're all American podcasters. Uh, so, uh, there's like a huge Discord server with all the Percy Jackson podcasters that uh, that I'm friends with, and there's me and one other British person there. Every one of the Americans have seen the musical, and me and my other British friend hate them all because I'm like how dare you have they, they've had full-blown conversations and I'm just like I'm right here guys this hurts yeah. <laughs> but I'm so glad they got to see it Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm so glad yeah. you guys got to go on tour with it as well it's just it's amazing to see the support and how many people went to see it and loved it I'm just amazing for you guys it was so cool. <laughs> it was it was I'm sad for you and it was so cool and also <laughs> we understood how meta it was too because you know the story is like you're going on a cross-country quest and we were like the whole tour was literally we were like oh this is not tour this is quest this is the quest <laughs> like we all were like took it very seriously I mean I think that's why I personally felt like I was excited to document the whole thing because I was like this is real life this is like we're actually living the books of like Percy and Grover and Annabeth going across country and you know, when we would go to a place that was like the same in the book, we'd be like, oh my God, we're here. Or like <laughs> we were in Nevada and we were like, we went to Lake Tahoe and there was this cafe called the Dam Cafe. And we were like, we're at the Dam Cafe! Ah! <laughs> you know, like it was, and then like the shenanigans on the tour bus. And the, it was just so, it was just so the books. And you just, I think it also just helped us to like, 
get closer and like live in that mode even more because that's, you know, that's what they're doing in the books are just like, just all the little hiccups and the this and that. It just was, ugh, it was so fun. Oh my gosh. So what I'm hearing is there needs to be a Heroes of Olympus musical for you guys to come to Europe to do the travel. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, I've always <laughs> been like, they have all these, you know, like movie universes. I'm like, let's do a musical universe. Next, sea I of would say I'm ready. All let's the go. Money. Just take that. Just what's that gift? Just shut up and take my money. I'll, I will throw it. Just do it. I will self fundraise it. No, guys, go fund me. Let's do this. There we go. We're doing it. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's oh no. I've got hope. Uh -oh. UK only. Sea of monsters. You have to cross yeah. the sea to get there. Ha ha. I'm so here for this. It's made me happy. <laughs> In terms of um, performancing, uh, performancing? Oh, that's I love performancing. <laughs> performancing. Okay, it's a word now. Just be, just because you said it, it it's now it a is. word. <laughs> oh, is it? Is it a word? Oh, no. Is it no, actually? no, it's not. Okay. <laughs> For a second, I was like, oh my God, how's my dyslexia actually tricked me into thinking a word isn't actually a word? But no, it's not a word. Okay, so my dyslexia was just being normal. It's okay. <laughs> Um, but in terms of being an actor, oh my gosh, Fran, calm down. What advice would you offer to anyone who was wishing to go into the profession, whether it be Broadway or just general acting? Um, golly, I think, um, I think you have to decide what success is for yourself. I think um, it's really easy to, I think, or I don't know if I want to use the word easy, but, you know, the more public examples of like what a successful actor and actress is are award ceremonies. And if you're a famous person in movies or like, I mean, I guess also musicals, but like, I still have people in my family or second family and they're like oh you're an actress would I have seen you in any movies and you're like no that's not what I do they're like oh you do theater oh that's like even that that's like not enough yeah it's like lower you know and so there's going to be a general a general public idea of like what being a successful mm -hmm. actor and actress is and it's really easy to kind of play into that or I think even being in the arts um mm -hmm. I think sometimes it is seen as like being an actor and actress is more is um the thing that people would go into automatically as opposed to being like no actually I want to be a producer or I want to be a director actually I'm going to be a costumer or something you know I think mm. it's an amazing perfection a uh, profession and like super gratifying I think it's a really noble way to live your life and you have to find what that truth, what that success is for you, because there's going to be a lot of self-doubt. There's going to be a lot of public opinion on like what is or isn't successful. And if you know what that is, if you're like, you know, okay, I want to be an actor and I want to be a theater actor and I just want to be acting all the time. 
if that's your goal and that is what success is for you, you could be touring, you could be doing regional theater, you could be like, I'm constantly doing concerts and cruise ships and touring through Japan or this and that, or like, you know, or, or, or be an actor on Broadway, you know, or do that, or, you know, be an artistic director of a theater in your hometown and bring the arts to your community. You know, there is no better, um, more successful version. Mm. I know it's easy to think that. And so I think it's, especially if you're like going to school for the arts, sometimes we get caught up in like, I have to go to the best school so I can make the most connections so I can be famous and then get everything that I want. And then roles will come easily to me. And then that's how I'll be working all the time. Like you really have to kind of dismantle that and be like, okay, well, what do I really love about this? I love creating a space for people to come and interact in. I love, you know, telling stories. I love connecting people in my community. Oh, maybe that means I actually want to be a director oh, that, maybe that means I want to like go to disenfranchised communities and help them with that. You know, there's so many ways mm. to be active in the arts besides just, you know, being an actor on Broadway or in the movies. And also, if you're like, no, I love, I want to be in the movies. That's incredible. I want to have that life. Then like absolutely go for that as well. I just want to speak up for all the millions of other ways that you can be in profession in this profession, not just like the top layer that everyone sees, you know, because Mm -hmm. even if you achieve that goal of, I think being, you know, uh, Oscar worthy actor or something like if that isn't what really like, you know, fulfills you and your heart and your purpose, Mm -hmm. when you get there, it's not going to, it's not going to feel like you did it. You're going to feel empty still. So it doesn't matter. You have to kind of like figure out what that is for you. And once you do, and then you again get to be like, oh gosh, like here I am, I'm on Broadway and I'm doing this thing or whatever. Like, awesome. Okay. I did it, you know, but um, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I have to say. There's like so many ways to, to do this profession. And there's so many ways to like do this profession. And also, have a side job that you like have to do Mm. maybe you're like yeah I want to do community theater but like I also need to have like a stable income that's important to me and nothing to be ashamed of you can still Mm. be an artist and be like okay and I'm also going to use my artistic talents you know in uh, the tech world or, you know, at this local bakery or like I don't know I'm just kind of fishing but (laughs) I hope that makes sense no, it totally makes sense. Everything you were saying is um, something that I myself have had to come to terms with and like recognize um, as I'm an author, or at least an up and coming author myself. And I've struggled a lot recently with this idea that I, I've got to set these high expectation goals. I've got to work to it. If I reach that, I failed. Mm-hmm. And that's something mm-hmm. like it's like a, such a horrible mentality that creative people do have where like you're convinced if you don't reach this thing if you don't get to this point and all these sort of things you've not done your job correctly and just Mm -hmm. hearing you mention like there are so so many different levels there are so many different stages within the creative community like setting that one goal it's not always the most realistic just set small little goals kind of focus on something that's going to make you happy more than anything else Um, and when you do achieve something 
be excited and be happy about it and that's something I've had to come to terms with myself so I completely got everything you're saying it made me think a little bit of um I did a video recently to do with Pixar's soul which is basically that whole idea of like Joe in oh. soul yes his whole I thing love is all about that history. movie love that movie yes oh it's amazing oh it touched me so much I was like I am Joe but I need to be more like 22 and that's kind yeah. of something like that's what that film made me think and I'm like yes this is I it love that. I love that Chris McCarroll texted me when he was watching it if for those of you who don't know Chris McCarroll plays Percy and he texted me and he was like you are Moondwin if you don't pick me up in a psychedelic pirate ship when I die I'm gonna be very disappointed you are Moonwind. That and that's the guy who like twirls the sign and like whatever. I was like, um, I'm so honored right now. Thank it was you. Graham Norton from England. Amazing. Yeah. He was a great, yeah, he's amazing. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, oh that love that film. But yeah, everything you just said just makes me also think of like Pixar's soul, because that's something that's very much into that. As well as um Whisper of the Heart, which is a Studio Ghibli movie, is all about that creative mindset. Oh, yeah. Well. Have you have you seen that movie? If you haven't, I highly I haven't seen that one, but I love Studio Ghibli. Oh, definitely recommend it. It's uh it's very much about sort of that struggling yeah, yeah. artist sort of element. I think it's on Disney Plus or Netflix. It's on one of them. <laughs> but just with all of that to kind of end off with uh kind of finishing up and all this sort of stuff. Um, how can everyone here who's listening and watching go and find to follow and support you with like any upcoming projects you've got going on that need to boost or anything like that or people just want to follow you too awesome yeah um you know i'm most i have a lot of different social platforms but my most active one is instagram so you can follow me at chitty blown I'm sure if you type up Kristen Stokes, you'll also find me, but that was just my handle before all this. And I was like, and I'm sticking to it. And so now everything is Chitty Balloon, but that's C-H-I-T-T-Y underscore B-A-L-O-N-E. Um, and I do an Instagram live every Saturday um, with a new kind of Broadway buddy of mine. And we just kind of hang out and talk about, you know, what they've been doing about Broadway, about just different stuff. So that's super fun. So definitely tune into that. And um, yeah, I'm on Twitter at K Stoked with a D. K underscore S T O K E D. I just got on a TikTok. Who knows what's going to happen on there? We'll see. Also, Chitty Balone. Um, yeah. So come check me out. I have a website, but all that's on my Instagram. And I always have been kind of the latest videos and crazy projects that I'm always coming up with. So yeah. All right. Fabulous. So for everyone watching and listening, I will make sure that all of that is in the description box or episode show notes for podcasting. So you guys can go directly to it by popping down there uh, to go and drop Kristen, some support and just show your love for the real life Annabeth. Um, Kristen, thank you so much for coming to speak with me. This has been an absolute blast having you here. I really appreciate it. And this has been so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. Thank you so much for inviting me. And yeah, I've had a blast too. It was so great to be on here. All right, brilliant. So for everyone watching and listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And I'll see you guys or speak to you guys <laughs> next time. Bye.